0: Hello, thank you for joining us for today's podcast. I'm JC Kluwer, a partner in EY's People Advisory Services, where I lead EY's work on skills, education and learning. EY and Henley Business School have come together to host a programme of work to examine how increasing skills in the UK economy can help weather the storm for the economy at large, organisations within it and individuals themselves. We're calling it our skills-led recovery. Today, we're focused on the economic response. We're recording the day after the Chancellor, Rishi Sunak set out his plan for phase two of the response to COVID, a plan for jobs. So today, we're going to talk a bit about the economic context, hear about skills and training announcements from the government, and reflect on what employers can be doing. I'm delighted to be joined today by two colleagues. First, Matt's person, an associate partner at EY, He's recently uh, rejoined our transactions business he's a former chief of staff to the chancellor and a former number 10 advisor and dr nick antipath is a lecturer in finance at the ICMA center which is part of henley business school and he researches and writes on the economy welcome to you both so to kick us off matt can you give us um, the pre-covid macro view of the economy
1: yeah sure i think the um Uh, The UK economy, I think, can be basically be summarized going into this crisis as a a quite dynamic economy that has a lot going for it. But um, uh, a few challenges uh, that in turn will determine and would have determined uh, its sort of long-term growth and and health. So uh, fundamentally, a lot of global uncertainty even before COVID-19 and the crisis, which then interacted with three, I guess, what you can call voluntary structural adjustments. So you had uh, things like Brexit on the one hand, or the UK's trading relationship with the rest of the world. You had that interacting with the end of free movement of people, a free movement of people will come to an end between the UK and the EU on the 31st of December this year, which will have some quite fundamental impact on the UK's labour market. And then also perhaps the biggest of them all is the ambition to meet uh, net zero by 2050 or for the UK economy to decarbonize by 2050, which is a very, very significant structural adjustment. Um, So those three are what I call voluntary structural adjustments. But fundamentally, at its most fundamental level, um, the UK is lagging behind by international standards when it comes to its basic productivity. So put simply, the UK economy basically produces in four days, but the German economy produces in five days. Um, or the other way around, sorry, the UK the, the UK economy produces in five days, what the German economy produces in four days. So there is a productivity challenge here, which is the most fundamental challenge. And that has been an issue for quite some time, true at both the firm level, but also at the macro level. and. I remember looking at this extensively when I was in the Treasury quite recently, uh, the biggest driver of the productivity gap is in turn term, term, the quite significant skills gap. So the fact that some parts of the country, particularly outside the Southeast, when we look at firms, when we look at people and individuals, there is a very fundamental or quite significant skills gap. So that's how I would summarize it. So you know, three voluntary structural adjustments interacting with a fundamental productivity challenge, which in turn now is sort of being significantly exacerbated by the economic effects of COVID-19.
0: Thanks, Max. So, if we were as productive as Germany, we could all have Fridays off every single week with no impact on our GDP. Um, and so, tell us a bit about um, the impact that COVID has had on the UK economy.
1: So, as as everyone can see in front of them, it's obviously an impact that sort of cuts right through the economy. There are some sectors that are spared, uh, tech, for example, and so forth, and, and part of the retail market, the grocery retailers in particular, that are relatively spared, at least on the demand side. Um, but generally speaking, clearly, we know that... Um, This has had an absolutely enormous, uh, monumental impact on the economy with GDP dropping in Q, you know, set to drop in Q2 uh, by something like 15, 20%. It's a quite extraordinary situation. Um, And obviously, going into uh, thinking about uh, the overall GDP impact over the year, I mean, we will see a significant drop in that as well, right? Exactly how much, difficult to tell at the moment, but it will be the greatest drop, uh, arguably, in one year on record, Uh, possibly. On record in one year. So, so I think it's very, very significant. Um, but in particular, and for the purpose of this discussion, uh, the, it's the unemployment which is, really stands out here um, because of what this does. It's a crisis that simultaneously, uh, in terms of the economics of it, that simultaneously uh, see demand and supply side effects quite dramatically effects and they kind of the demand side and the supply side feed each other in, if you will. so that creates an extraordinary vulnerability in, in the labor market and you see uh, the consequence of that now being that about a third of all workers one, one fourth one third of all workers are now on furloughed basically having their wages paid by the state and once that comes to an end in October, which seems like it will come to end in October, we can see very significant unemployment figures possibly over 10 percent, possibly as high as 15 percent, according to some estimates. So very significant employment challenge. Uh, and, and unemployment is important for a couple of reasons, right? It's not only because of the figure itself is not only, only statistic. It's important for the future of the economy and the re- recovery, because the strongest correlation we almost can see between consumer spending and consumer confidence, for example, and UK is very much consumer-led consumer driven economy, there's one of the strongest correlations we can see between consumer confidence and any other economic metric is unemployment. So when unemployment is high, so consumer confidence is low. So it's very important for the recovery to address that. But secondly, and this perhaps is the most fundamental point, you know, unemployment hits some groups disproportionately hard, and particularly younger workers, for example, you know, 18, 24 year olds, particularly some, you know, minority groups or uh, women returning to work, for example, that those are groups that are particularly hard by, uh, hard hit by unemployment and that's also where it meets the skills challenge because once you are unemployed uh, and once you are subject to this type of crisis then that scarring effect can be with you for almost your entire professional career. You will fight to catch up almost your entire professional career. So that's why the government think it's right to lead on jobs and equally importantly skills but that's the theory. The question is what do you do about it in practice?
0: Thanks Matt and We've been talking um, for a couple of weeks now about skills-led recovery and it sounds like the Chancellor has been uh, listening and reading our blogs. So, um, Nick, why don't you tell us a bit about what the Chancellor announced yesterday, particularly the policies on skills and training?
2: Yes, thanks, Josie. So, the Chancellor announced two sets of policies that relate to the skills-led recovery. The first policy is a new job creation scheme labelled Kickstart. And uh, it aims at providing free or subsidized labor for companies that are willing to hire young people for six months, uh, starting next month, uh, August. The initial plan announced by the Chancellor is to support about 300,000 new jobs. But uh, he has implied that the government is willing to expand the program if the job market is looking for more applicants. Now, under this scheme, young people can be hired and trained for the six-month duration of the program, so that after the program ends, they will be more valuable for either the company that hired them initially, or the job market in general. Now, this is a great step in offering both income and real-life training to many young people that may actually struggle for opportunity during the pandemic, as Mats uh, mentioned. The second set of policies involves an investment of 1.6 billion pounds in scaling up apprenticeships, uh, training, and uh, employment support schemes. For instance, companies uh, hiring new apprentices between August and January will receive an additional 2,000 pounds for candidates that are on the younger side, between 16 and 24 years old, and 1,500 pounds for applicants that are 25 years old or even older. We should note that this new subsidy is on top of the £1,000 bonus for hiring uh, apprentices aged up to 24 years old. There are also plans uh, to double the number of work coaches and triple the scale of traineeships. Therefore, we should expect the next few months to be buzzing with uh, opportunity for young people and experienced professionals returning to the job market.
0: Thanks. It sounds like the Chancellor is very keen for employers to train their people. And Nick, what advice do you have for employers thinking about how to make best use of these incentives?
2: Yes, Josie, that's the £1 billion question, right? Uh, So companies have now a unique opportunity to recruit and and train talented young people at only a fraction of the usual cost. This means that they can hire, train and screen more candidates for long-term employment. Uh, Over the course of the six-month Kickstarter program or the apprenticeships, uh, managers will be able to discover hidden potential in candidates, as well as uh, confirm if there is actual cultural fit, right? Also, we shouldn't forget that this recession, like any crisis, is an opportunity to level up, to use the vernacular of the the Prime Minister. In that respect, uh, companies can train existing employees and hiring new ones with a long-term corporate strategy in mind. We see, for instance, a continuous trend towards digitization across most industries. Right Now, with the economic activity being at historical lows and training costs being subsidized by the government, companies can finally invest in their own people more generously. This will help them not only be prepared for the challenges coming in the new decade, but also build loyalty and rapport with employees. Now, companies should grasp this opportunity or risk being left behind after the recession. Thanks.
0: And so a question for both of you. Um, So we've had the first phase of our response, which was the support phase. This is the second phase, which is about jobs. But looking forwards, what policies do you think um, we should be watching out for in the rebuild phase, which I understand is coming in the autumn? Um, Max, would you like to go first?
1: Yes, I think in in terms of what to expect next, the the first thing to say, which is what the Chancellor himself quite clearly pointed out yesterday, is that this kind of is a, it's a step. He called it a plan for jobs, not the plan for jobs. A plan for jobs is is quite interesting difference and nuance. So clearly we should expect uh, more going into the autumn. Um, There will be, there there have been some criticism of the package yesterday already around how how targeted it actually was uh, at at, at creating and retaining jobs is, for example, the the job retention bonus of a thousand quid for employ- per employer or per employee um, that employees uh, decide to bring back. Is that is that going to make a difference, or is it just going to go to employ- employers that had made a decision to bring back fertile staff anyway, and therefore what we is what we refer to in economic circle dead white cost, um, etc. So, so I think. You know, going into the autumn, there will be some pressure and and also interest clearly from from Rishi and from others in government to to do a bit more. And I think a couple of things to mention there in terms of what what listeners and you know our our, the businesses that we work with should look out for. So the first thing to say is that in the autumn, there will be an autumn budget um as per usual, but there will also be, as the chancellor confirmed yesterday, a spending a spending review. And the spending review is basically can be more the sort of medium-term plan setting out what each department will get. Um, and that can sometimes be one year, but, you know, not unusual for it for, to be three or five years. So that is really important in terms of the direction of travel with respect to how much each department will get be getting. A couple of specific things to look out for, which I think will be quite interesting. So one is, what linkage will there be between the government's really and very substantial capital envelope? So... You know, capital investment, infrastructure, economic infrastructure, social infrastructure, um, the green agenda, uh, R&D. What linkage between that capital envelope, which I think is going to be worth something like 650 billion over the next, over this parliament, the linkage between that and job creation, will you start to see more attempts to kind of, for anyone with a government contract, for example, there will be conditions around hiring apprenticeships, uh, apprentices or a number of apprenticeships or various conditions on job creation. That will certainly be something to look out for. I also think um, uh, the, on the whole skills agenda. We saw a bit on this yesterday as we discussed and as Nick mentioned, but will there be more targeted uh, approaches to trying to upskilling the workforce, particularly with respect to um, some of the skills we know, uh, you know, where the UK is, is, is behind a bit, including um, the, in some cases, very ba- basic digital skills, for example, but also in some sectors that might be considered sort of sectors of the future, like aerospace or advanced manufacturing, will there be an, a, a targeted attempt to try to subsidize and incentivize upskilling in sectors where UK firms, for example, need to move up the value chain in order to be more viable out of the crisis? So a couple of bits and pieces there to look out for.
0: Great. Thanks, Matt. And Nick, what are you looking out for?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Matt's covered
2: uh, most of the bases, so I'll, I'll try to, to cover uh, some, I think, need uh, bit more attention. For instance, um, we can think of, of what the UK government does as interna- as part of international competition. Um, so if we want to have um, an idea about what the UK government may do uh, during the, the autumn announcement, we may want to see the European governments that uh, have, uh, have announced uh, plans to extend, for instance, the furlough scheme or use... Uh, uh, use more fiscal stimulus as part as a percentage of their own GDP um, we, we have to remember that with Brexit coming up uh, the UK government has to show uh, to potential investors that, uh, that the UK supports business and uh, no better way to support business than supporting skills development which is necessary for long-term growth and the long-term corporate strategy that's the, that's the first part The second point I would like to mention is that it's highly likely that the UK government will aim at a strategic partnership with the universities. We know now the education sector will be uh, having fewer students uh, next year, especially international students. Um, So there will be spare teaching capacity, spare training capacity, if you want, uh, at universities. And uh, if the government um, pairs up with universities uh, for training current practitioners and people entering the job market uh, in order to, to level, level them up, um, there will be a double benefit. The first one, of course, is that it's doubling up. And the second is supporting the education sector that um, that holds uh, that accounts for uh, hundreds of thousands of, of jobs. Now, the, the final point uh, I would like to, um, to mention is that um, the government... Um, will be announcing more target measures, as Mats has, has suggested. Uh, nevertheless, it's very important for companies to take advantage of any support measure uh, that has been announced as soon as possible. We can see this with the furlough scheme, that there have been some cases where employers couldn't really put employees on, on the furlough scheme, they the lost the, the benefit of that. So as long as a company can, can benefit from uh, the, the government support, I would highly suggest just, uh, just go for it, hire the, the young people, go for apprenticeships and, and build the company's um, future on skills.
0: Great. And I think that's all we've got time for this week. So thank you very much to Matt and Nick for our conversation today. It's been great to get your insights and expertise on what's happened and what is to come. Next week, we'll be publishing a blog with further insights on this topic. So thank you all very much for listening, and we hope to talk to you again soon.